Political Occupation, a podcast series brought to you by the New Hampshire Institute of Politics at St. Anselm College and hosted by the Executive Director of the Institute, Neil Levesque. This NHIOP podcast project gives listeners a firsthand account of the ways in which campaign staffers, journalists, pollsters, and top advisors shape our country's political landscape. Neil and his high-profile guests will take you behind the scenes and discuss how they got their start, career challenges, mentors, and what the future holds for the next generation. Let's pull back the curtain and get ready for this episode of Political Occupation. Well, welcome back to Political Occupation. I'm your host, Neil Levesque. Uh, today, a very, very accomplished person in the communications field in Washington, D.C. is our guest. Uh, Liz Johnson is um, just an outstanding uh, person who's dealt with uh, all, all types of public affairs and communication. She currently serves as Mitt Romney's communications director, uh, not um, a calm and easy job all the time in the past couple of years. Uh, Liz, welcome. Great to be with you. So you have a really interesting career. You started out, though, graduating from St. Michael's College in Vermont, a uh, small liberal arts college, um, and then sort of jumping into politics. I mean, some of these roles, I'm just going to read off some of the people that you worked out. So, so you've got Mitt Romney, who is definitely um, in, in the middle of the action quite a bit. Um, and so your communications work is, is uh, probably at a feverish pace most of the time. You worked for uh, Susan Collins, obviously another person who is front and center as far as national figures go. Right. You spent time as communications director for Senator Kelly Ayotte here. Uh, immigration and Customs Enforcement, you were there for a little while. You uh, worked on the Gorsuch uh, nomination, Neil Gorsuch, to the Supreme Court. Um, no easy task. I'm sure you had a lot of days off on, on that little <laughs> assignment. Um, you are, I mean, basically when you get, when, when people know that there's going to be a lot of communication with the media and a lot of public affairs, they call on you. And so you have a fascinating background. I, uh, why don't you just start off by telling us like, what's your day-to-day -day life working for Senator Romney at this point? Sure. Well, it's probably like, um, as you can imagine, given everything going on with COVID-19, it's actually a little different day-to-day um, -day routine than what it normally is. Uh, normally, um, you know, I, work in, in the Senate office in Washington, D.C. Uh, we have a staff there of um, probably about 23 people total, and that combines um, the policy staff, which works on legislation, um, the communications team, which is lean and mean. Um, it's myself, and then um, I have a press secretary and a digital director. Um, so it's a small team. And, um, and then we have, of course, um, sort of the administrative side of the office that manages the senator's meetings and schedule and that kind of thing. So um, usually a normal week in that, um, in that 
office is um, generally speaking, starting on Monday, you know, the Senate comes into session in the afternoon. Um, That's the day the Senator arrives. And so we generally have a series of meetings um, to talk about the week ahead, um, previewing meetings that are on the Senator's schedule, um, media engagements, uh, votes that'll be coming up on the Senate floor, committee hearings. um, And then it's sort of um, goes off from there, but really the the Monday and sort of Friday, um, looking ahead to the following week, is sort of the two days that are sort of more focused on planning um, and putting together, you know, communication strategies, messaging strategies, policy um, uh, to do lists and things like that for um, for the senator's priorities, which um, obviously are centered on Utah, the state he represents, but also a number of national priorities as well. So, um, so it is a lot of, you know, it's, it's a lot of just collaboration with, um, the team and it's, um, I, I work most closely with, you know, the two members on the comms team, but also our chief of staff who run basically oversees, um, and manages the whole operation. Um, our policy director, um, who's my complement um, to the policy team and helps direct our legislative agenda. Um, so, that's kind of um, that's kind of how it is, and a lot of it is um, running back and forth through the hallways, um, back and forth between the Senate office and the Capitol across the street. Um, and there could be any number of news developments throughout the course of a day that re- require um, some discussion with the senator um, about you know how he plans to react to the news of the day. Um, for for folks who may have had internships. Um, and that kind of thing, um, they'll know that it's pretty common um, that the, the Capitol is sort of free, free roaming ground for members of the D.C. press corps. Um, and so having worked up there for several years now, um, I know a lot of them. And um, part of the job, of course, as a communications director is to maintain those relationships and, um, and be talking to them and, and kind of getting a sense and keeping an eye on what kind of what news is driving the day or the week um, and looking for opportunities to um, pr- promote the boss's message and his priorities. So as I said, a lot of that in-person collaboration obviously isn't happening right now because of um, because we're working from home, but um, we sort of stay in touch virtually uh, via Zoom calls. We do a lot of Zoom meetings as a staff um, and we sort of have our respective text chains um and obviously reporters have my phone number <laughs> and email so um so a lot of that communication is ongoing but it's just sort of it's it, it's a more remote situation than it usually is and you've got a lot of relationships with other communications directors other press secretaries you were the head of um <clears throat> the press secretaries uh, senate press secretary association are you dealing a lot? I mean, Romney's a little bit different because he's not necessarily completely in the president's White House <laughs> slash Republican camp. Um, but are you dealing a lot with other offices on a day-to-day basis? Are they looking for what you're going to say and whether or not you're going to coordinate with them? It's almost a daily. I would say that that coordination, both on a policy side, so the legislative side, and also on the communication side, it's almost a daily um, that's almost a daily occurrence. I think, um, any, any given day that the Senate's in session, there may be a piece of legislation that we're working on with another office. It may be something that we're leading or that we're joining. Um, and so there's frequently, 
communication between our offices and our respective staffs about, you know, setting up a potential rollout about a, you know, a piece of legislation or setting up a press conference to announce that. So that is very, very much the norm. Um, that is still continuing, um, even though we're sort of in this, this, uh, work from home situation, but it's just, um, but that's a very frequent, frequent part of the job. And I think that's probably the norm for most, most Senate offices. Um, the Senate Press Secretaries Association is one way. Um, if you, if you wind up in doing communications on the Hill, it's a terrific way to meet and network with people, um, in, in comms positions and other offices. And that was one way that I was able to grow my network um, so I, you know, always encourage people, um, if there are those kinds of associations or groups, um, that provide professional networking opportunity, that's a terrific, terrific advantage. And you, you know, you, you get out of St. Michael's, you knew you liked politics, I'm assuming, but how did you all of a sudden land on Capitol Hill? Did you just go down there and find the so first opportunity or? It was so it actually my involvement in politics actually started before college um, back in high school. I started um, I had a good family friend who was basically the manager of Senator Collins, who is my home state senator, Senator Susan Collins, her um, one of her state offices, which happened to be like 20 minutes from where my family's house where I grew up in Maine. Um, and I started um, an internship there. Uh, it was a a paid internship um, for two or three months over the summer. So it was a summer job and it was really helping with um, constituent services, which most state and district offices um, are geared towards. So helping, you know, if people um, have a problem with getting their social security check or getting their veterans benefits or um, have an issue with an immigration matter or a visa, um, those are the kinds of requests that come into those offices. And so my job as an intern was to help out her staff um, in dealing with those requests. So, um, so that was my initial um, kind of introduction and education to that world. And at the same time, um, she, you know, a couple years down the road, she was also running for re-election. And so I had the opportunity and people encouraged me um, that if I plan to pursue a job in politics after college that it would be beneficial for me to spend some time volunteering on her campaign. Because um, don't you so, think that that's kind of uh, it's almost like going into combat. If you're in the military, you sort of got to have some combat time before you. Exactly. Become it's a like general. combat experience. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and it also just, you know, it's extremely valuable experience, honestly, for any job, even if you don't end up going to politics, a campaign, I think teaches you a lot about, um, teamwork and about uh, competition and um, really an opportunity to kind of learn the ropes. Um, so my biggest advice actually for students of yours who may be close to graduation and thinking about um, what to do next is, is just go get some campaign experience, join a campaign. Um, don't expect to make a lot of money doing that. Um, don't be afraid of sort of doing grunt work or volunteer work. Um, the payoff comes later um but the experience and the relationships that you build um and sort of the street cred that you gain if you're you know if there's a particular politician that you admire and that you really want to work for um signing up to help them um with their re-election campaign is a good way to kind of get your foot in the door 
and there's nothing there's nothing glamorous <laughs> there's nothing glamorous about being an intern doing constituent service work or or you know punk punching in signs on a campaign, but you, you realize that in the beginning, you sort of got to do that grunt work in order to get some. Yeah, exactly. Um, and it's not glamorous, but it's meaningful work, um, both ways. I think if you're, if you have the opportunity to work for someone that you really truly believe in that is in public service for the right reasons and is really dedicated to improving the lives of, um, of citizens in their state or district, um, it is it is a sense of fulfillment that you get from, you know, either working for them on a campaign or, you know, to keep them in office or to elect them to office. But also if you have an opportunity to work on in the Senate office or the district office, um, though, helping those individuals. Um, I actually kind of miss that sometimes about um, when I think back to that, because there is a tremendous sense of I just was able to do something and use the levers of government to help this person who, you know, had a had an issue with Social Security that and was able to help her fix that. And that is really rewarding. And that at the end of the day, that is, you know, that's the result and that's the purpose of public service is really to be responsive to the people that, um, that elect our, our um, government officials. So you get out of St. Mike's and did you automatically have a job with her down in DC? I got very lucky. I was actually, um, I had lined up because I, I did intern for her off and on throughout high school and college. So I maintained that relationship with her team um, during those years. And so I was able to um, be offered an internship in her DC office um, starting the fall after I graduated. So I went home for the summer and then, um, you know, made plans to move to DC. And then two weeks before I was supposed to move, I got a phone call from their chief of staff saying that they just had a permanent job opening. Um, And it was the job as a staff assistant, um, basically working at the in the front reception area of the Washington D.C. office. So, I thought I was going down for an internship, but ended up getting um, getting hired on full time. And um, and I, you know, you mentioned that it's it's not a glamorous. Um, those first jobs are not glamorous. Um, the, these were, you know, this was sort of the nuts and bolts of a Senate office and how a Senate office works. Um, it was answering the phones, being the, the face of the office for visitors and people who were coming in for meetings, setting up capital tours um, for families that were visiting from Maine, um, that kind of thing. So um, that was also at that time, I think there were some pretty um, intense legislative debates. I think it was like 2006, they were talking about potential immigration reform legislation. So our phones were ringing off the hook, um, which was you know exhausting and tedious, but also you know, really important um, that, you know, there was a way for people in Maine to contact their elected senator and, um, and express their views and that there was someone there to make sure that those views were heard. So, um, so that's kind of how I, how I started. It was really, it started, you know, it started in high school. It started with internships and, um, and just kind of maintaining that network that I had, had started building. And it's not easy to jump from being a staff assistant to into the world of, the press operation. So was that something that you kind of wanted to do or did you just get thrown into it? What happened? I grew up as a news junkie. I always was very interested in journalism. And, um, and so I always had that interest. I didn't know, you know, when I first arrived in DC that that's ultimately what I wanted to do. And so I ultimately, um, I did a lot of different, um, had a lot of different roles in the Collins office. 
I eventually went to work um, for her chief of staff as his executive assistant, and I was able to do expand a little bit more what I worked on. Um, I then went and worked on her reelection campaign in 2008, um, which gave me, you know, additional actual campaign experience that was helpful. And that's kind of when I really decided that I, I thought I'd really wanted to go into communications and go into the press side and work with reporters and help shape stories and, um, and drive messaging. Um, there's sort of different tracks for people in a given office, in a congressional office. Some people become very interested in a particular policy issue like healthcare or immigration or um, judicial issues. And so for, for people who have those interests, um, they're more likely to pursue kind of the legislative track and become a legislative correspondent, um, which helps respond to um, incoming inquiries and questions from constituents about particular issues, um, and then ultimately become, you know, an advisor on a policy, on that policy area. Um, I didn't have, you know, I was interested in many different um, policy areas, so I kind of liked the, the freedom that working communications office gives you. It's kind of like it's a new thing every day. Um, you never get the same day twice, and you may be talking about um, a public lands bill one day and then um, a police reform bill the next day. So it's just a lot of variety. Um, it's interesting. And it's really, a, it, it's a line of work that really does um, rely on interpersonal relationships. And, you know, that was, I'm a people person. So that was obviously appealing to me as well. So that's kind of, you know, I'd, I'd had time by that point, I think four years or so that I'd worked there that I kind of had a chance to, to observe and learn about different career tracks in that office. And that's kind of where my natural interests and abilities um, took me. So I became moved into her press office, um, was there for a couple of years. And then, um, as you mentioned, jumped over to work for Senator Ayotte. Um, so did you jump over during the campaign? Were you involved with Ayotte or did you? It was, it was right after um, I had, I had by that, point been with Collins in the DC office for five years and that's sort of you know and many people I think move around sort of every two to three years um on the hill I was probably there longer than most um but you know for me it was kind of I I had hit a ceiling in that office where um I was ready to to take on additional responsibility and there just wasn't room so um the same family friend actually uh who initially um, encouraged me to join Senator Collins' office, had been involved with Senator Ayotte's race um, in 2010. And so I met with him after the campaign um, that November, and he connected me with, um, with Senator Ayotte's team. And, um, and it took a few months, obviously, while they got their office set up. But, but that spring, um, I ended up moving over. And so it was like moving to a different building in the Senate, but a lot of the same um, a lot of the same, you know, the same environment, the same people generally, but a new office, a new member. Um, and it was nice for me because I obviously had the benefit of being able to work for someone that served my home state of Maine. Um, new Hampshire obviously is a close neighbor. And so um, that was nice for me to be able to kind of maintain my New England roots and, um, and connections. So she was involved with the uh, Neil Gorsuch uh, nomination. And so that's how you kind of swung over into that role as well. Yes. Um, so after 
my time with Senator Ayotte, um, I was sort of in a situation where I'd spent almost a decade on the Hill. I wasn't sure yet what I wanted to do. Obviously, there was a new administration. Um, the Trump administration was, you know, in the transition process. And so I was sort of trying to decide, is, is, do I want to go into the executive branch and work for an agency? Um, or do I want to go downtown and, you know, go to the private sector and work at like a PR firm? Um, I was, wasn't really sure. I ended up um, on the transition team doing media affairs for a number of the um, cabinet nominees at that time. So like in November, December of 2016, and then um, ended up as a political appointee in the administration um, at the Department of Homeland Security in the early days of 2017, right after the new administration was, um, was sworn in. So um, I was very surprised uh, a few weeks later when um, I talked to Kelly and I talked to a few other people who were working on the Gorsuch confirmation team and both kind of said, you know, we could really use your help um, with this. And, um, and so I was able to kind of get transferred from uh, the department where I was working over to, um, to the White House, where we had a, an office in the old executive office building um, where we'd go every day. And um, he was then judge, now Justice Gorsuch. Um, we had a team of about five or six people, including Kelly, who um, we're sort of embedded with him every day. Um, we helped prep him for meetings, um, a lot of hearing prep. Obviously, the confirmation hearings for Supreme Court justices are huge, hugely high profile. There's a lot of work and prep that goes into that. Um, so I was able through that, through my connection to Kelly, obviously was able to be um, a spokesperson for the justice during that time, um, which was an incredible, like a once in a lifetime opportunity needed to be part of that process um and thankfully happy to say it was a successful confirmation process um but but that was really fascinating and um you know it probably was probably three or three or four months um that i was able to work on that and that was really 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 amazing probably the hard to hard to pick one like highlight of my career thus far but obviously one of the one of the most amazing experiences i've had is it hard to switch from one member to the next, essentially, or if you take the justice, you know, where you're trying to, you have to sort of gauge what their um, voice is, how aggressive they want to be on certain things. Is it hard sometimes to be switching in between these members? It can be. Um, it definitely takes some time to learn. You know, you have to learn a new personality. Um I was fortunate in that I had stayed with, you know, Senator Collins for several years and Senator Ayotte for several years that I got to know them fairly well. Um, I think the, the, one of the things that I would do going into a new job where you have to learn kind of a, someone's voice or um, someone's style is just spend a lot of time reading. Um, so reading pieces and written products that they've, that they have um, written, reading speeches that they've given, um, so that you start to actually internalize what, you know, what's their style of speaking, what's their style of writing. Um, that's very helpful, but yeah, it can take, it can take time, um, to do that. So now, uh, you were sort of done with Gorsuch. How long did it take for you to switch over to Romney or was it a natural thing? And 
So in between, I sort of had a, I was sort of bouncing around a little bit. Um, after the confirmation process wrapped up, I went back to the Department of Homeland Security and I went to work at U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement um, as the head of public affairs for that agency. So I was actually there for almost two years um, during some of, you know, some obviously very contentious, high profile um, issues and policy agenda that was coming from the administration. So, um, so it was not until after that time, um, and that was another kind of fortuitous phone call that, um, that happened through Senator Ayotte, um, but it was the end of, of 2018. Senator Romney had just been elected to the Senate for the state of Utah, um, and, and I was, um, and Kelly let me know, you know, they're looking for a communications director for the Senate office, and I sort of didn't take it too seriously because I figured Senator Romney would have a long list of hundreds of people lined up to do that job. Um, and I didn't really expect anything to come of it, but, um, but, you know, met with, met with his team, talked to him and, um, and it all fell, fell into place within like three weeks, which was um, pretty incredible. And obviously having the opportunity to work for someone like him, um, who obviously is a former presidential nominee and just someone who, I think is a person of tremendous integrity and someone who could be um, retired and uh, and not involved in public service at all, but chose to kind of come back into public life and um, serve the state of Utah and serve the country. Um, so very, very happy to be uh, back in the Senate and part of his team and, um, and working for him. And again, it's sort of, you know, I have now been in the Senate for almost off and on for 12, 12 or 13 years, but, um, but working for him and working for each different member has been a different and a valuable experience in different ways. So there's kind of a thread um, with our podcasts and I'm hearing it again now, which is you make these relationships and these folks know that you're good at what you do. And then, a, you know, in a year or two later or sometimes longer, they call you and say, Hey, there's an opportunity you should go for it. And so, right. I mean, in each one of your situations, it seems like, you know, you almost had a mentor or at least somebody who was saying, you know, if you're really looking for a great communications director, it's Liz. And um, that's, that's a interesting thing that we've heard through these podcasts over and over again, that, you know, the relationship you make early on, do you have, um, a lot of relationships with Democrats as well, because I think a lot of people don't really see what Capitol Hill and kind of how partisan it can be until they yeah. get there. But what you have relationships with Democrats? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, working on the Hill, as you know, is a very sort of collegial space, despite I think the rap that you know, it gets on TV there, you know, it's, it's a small group of people. It's kind of like a large high school. And so, um, you, you know, once you've worked there for several years, you really do have kind of, you develop a familiarity and a knowledge and relationships with people who, you know, you may have known and worked with for, for several years, and then they go on to different offices. But, um, but, but, um, it is very much focused on building and maintaining those relationships and, um, I have some very good friends who work in, you know, work across the aisle and in, in Democratic members' offices. Obviously, my bosses have all been um, members of the Republican Party, but um, but by no means is it unusual to, you know, have a friend group or a professional group um, 
of of folks who are of all political stripes. Um, that was one of the reasons I joined the Senate Press Secretaries Association. Actually, was to to meet more people on the other side of the aisle, and that was a a totally bipartisan group. And um, I I served on the executive board there um, with you know a bipartisan group of people, and we alternated each year the president um, from Republican to Democrat. So it was um, I, my experience has been um, that there is a lot of collegiality, um, a lot of friendship, a lot of cross the aisle friendships. Um, and that's kind of how things get done there still, um, is, is through the relationship. So that's a point I think you hit on that I couldn't emphasize enough is just don't discount the relationships that you make, even in your first entry level job. Um, you never know, it's a small, big town and you never know when those relationships are going to um, when you're going to need them, when someone else may need um, to call on you for help. So, um, so that is really important. So um, is being in politics, is it a nine to five job? <laughs> I know the answer to the question. <laughs> it's a 24 seven job frequently, um, especially if you're in communications, because we live um, at a time of like, just, there's just a constant news cycle. There's no more there used to be news cycles that were um, driven by paper, like newspaper deadlines. Um, that isn't so much the case anymore. And obviously with Twitter and, and social media, it's even more um, fast changing. So, um, so yeah, they, these are jobs that um, require you to sometimes work late, get up early. Um, and, you know, it's not unusual to have, you know, your weekend interrupted with a phone call or a press inquiry. Um, things of that nature. So being flexible and being, yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, so yeah, these are pretty, you know, pretty demanding jobs, pretty demanding on your time. Um, they all, that one of the, the positives about, um, the Hill though, is that there's usually a calendar for the year, um, that generally, um, you follow for, for days and weeks that are in session and then days and weeks that are out of session. Um, for communications folks, um, everyone likes to talk about, you know, the congressional recess and that that's a bit of time, usually a little bit slower pace and a time to kind of take a breather, take a day off, catch up on things. Um, for comms folks, usually our bosses are back in, in the state or district and doing things. So we can't necessarily take advantage of that, but, um, but yeah, it's a demanding, it's demanding of time, but it is, um, it is such a great, uh, way to start out a career in politics and public service. And it's, you know, it's worth the, worth the extra time. So final, just a sum up question. I think this is, I try to throw this at most of the people who are on this podcast, but so you're, um, you're on the lawn at St. Michael's with your, with your degree in hand. And what would you tell that Liz, um, knowing what you know now about how to get to where you're going, what you've gone through and all the success you've had, what would what advice would you give to that, Liz? I think one piece of advice. I was very fortunate in at St. Mike's. I had great relationships with professors. Um, I had ha- I'd done some internships, um, and I had sort of a you know the beginnings of of a um, career focused network. And I think one of the things that be kind of can be intimidating. I think at that stage when you're kind of just starting out is is feeling confident enough and, um, and, you know, sure enough of reaching out to 
ask folks um, and let them know that you are interested in opportunities and asking them for help with connections. So, um, you know, asking for if, you know, if I hadn't had the connection to Senator Collins, figuring out who do I know in my network that does have a connection to somewhere that I want to work um, and then not, you know, being confident and being um, proactive about reaching out to use those relationships and use those networks. Um, that's really kind of, that's how DC works. Um, so if you kind of are graduating and starting to set out with that mindset of, you know, what have I amassed so far in my, you know, in my four years at the school, who do, you know, who do my professors know, um, who might be able to help me get in the, my foot in the door um, at a, on a particular campaign or in a particular office. And then um, having the confidence to be proactive about that and, um, you know, advocate for your own, for your own skills and your own, um, your own desires for that job. So, um, so that, I think that would be my, my advice is just kind of be confident, be proactive, um, and don't hesitate and don't be, you know, don't be scared or nervous or shy about using, um, the relationships and the networks that you've gained. Well, this has been great. Um, I will say that although um, you're confident, you're also very humble and probably one of the most accessible, successful people uh, dealing on a day-to-day -day basis in frontline combat politics, essentially. Uh, and so it's been a pleasure to have you on, Liz, and um, we just really appreciate it. And uh, we'll, we'll be great. looking in the pages of the New York Times and Wall Street <laughs> journals for not only... Uh, your quotes, but also um, I frequently see you in the photographs <laughs> uh, walking next to Senator Romney, uh, and, and it's always very exciting uh, to see you. So thank you very much for being on. I appreciate it. Thank you, Liz. Take care. Take care. You have been listening to Political Occupation, a podcast series brought to you by the New Hampshire Institute of Politics at St. Anselm College and the NHIOP Podcast Project. Since its doors opened in September of 2001, the Institute has provided a nonpartisan forum for discussion and debate on all aspects of the American political process. This is where ideas are challenged, ideologies compete, and the democratic process is alive and well. Learn more about the New Hampshire Institute of Politics by visiting anselm.edu and clicking on the Institute of Politics link.